calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. That it is. That it is. I feel like... I have this cough that will not go away. Like you I had COVID a month ago, and the cough will not stop. My little COVID queen. It's is that a? <laughs> no, I just made that up. Oh, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I would not put it past somebody to have written a song. No, no I've just been referring to you and anyone else that I know in my life who has COVID as the COVID queen. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> listen, I got over it fairly unscathed, fairly quickly, but. I feel like it's done something to my voice from coughing mm. all the time. Like, I feel like I've got like a... Do you feel raspier? Yeah, like a little bit more of an NPR quality I was going to say, I think that you should also then just like go to some like speakeasy nearby and start singing on the microphone, like some really good raspy jazz music Bebe or something. Buffet style? Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. And it's funny because like I have a really hard time speaking but especially singing in my lower register but when I'm sick I love singing along to like Frank Sinatra oh, yeah <laughs> things like that I could not hit physically cannot hit when I'm healthy but for some reason when I'm sick I'm like and no <laughs> yeah it lets you um really sink into chest voice yeah that's for sure I sit very happily up in my head all yes. the time <laughs> <laughs> you're like in more than one way um, <laughs> oh my god it's too true it's too true <laughs> Okay, well, we did quite an unloading of abortion news during our full-length episode, but I wanted to check in with you. I have one thing regarding that, and I kind of wanted to start with any of that. If you had anything that you wanted to talk about. I do not. uh, Okay. It's not that nothing has been happening. Right. Things have been It's just we talked about it a lot. Yeah. So there was just one thing that I wanted to talk about because it showed up on my little like Apple News or whatever, and that is Arizona's laws and mm. what's going on there because it's, it's pretty archaic. So Arizona's Republican Attorney General announced on Wednesday that a pre-statehood law that bans all abortions is enforceable. So this is a law yeah. from before Arizona was yeah. even a state, I right? knew that I knew something about this because I was listening to The Daily and they were talking yeah. about this, and there's a couple of states like that that have these like abortion laws that just got never taken off the books right or that have just been kind of like not used because of Roe like they they're not enforceable but now that 
Roe is not an issue, Mm -hmm. these laws can be enforced. So the law is from 1901, and it states, A person who provides supplies or administers to a pregnant woman or procures such woman to take any medicine, drugs or substance, or uses or employs any instrument or other means whatever with intent thereby to procure the miscarriage of such woman, unless it is necessary to save her life, shall be punished by imprisonment in the state prison for not less than two years, nor more than five years. So I, first of all, I am so glad we moved past using that many words to say a thing. It's a lot. Like, I feel like it's like anyone who has an abortion or gives an abortion can go to prison for two to five years. Is what they mean. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I'm not super surprised by that. I've seen other states say things like um, 15 years. Yeah. Possibly. So there are some pretty steep consequences in some of these states Certainly. Uh, it, and sometimes the consequences for abortion or seeking or, or having an abortion are steeper than rape so yeah. that's really fun well that makes sense with yeah. the way our government works totally tracks totally totally tracks but along with this arizona and a lot of other states are also pushing besides the total ban a law that also grants eggs and fetuses all of the rights so okay, okay, wait. I'm sorry. Can I claim them on my taxes? I mean, that's Can a great I question. Actually, collect child support from the father uh, yeah. as soon at, at conception. If they have rights as yeah, per, if they have personhood, then I should be able to. Well, it's funny that you use that because part of the law includes the phrase or word personhood in the provision, which would give civil rights to the unborn. It's pretty wild. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I the mean, unborn th- child has more rights than the person carrying the child. Than pretty the, much, the born, yeah, than the born, than the born, the born person, <laughs> than the born child. Yeah, great, cool. There's, oh, I mean, I, I just, I really need to see some accountability from the fathers in these situations. Then, like, that'd be great. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I'm just like, well, um, are they? liable financially are they on the hook financially for any of this stuff if if life begins from the moment of fertilization then the person who has become pregnant should be getting some kind of compensation yeah during the pregnancy and all and we should be able to claim it on our taxes right that we're like pregnant if, if i'm if i'm getting government assistance if i'm getting WIC, then i should be able to add that to my yeah okay no I know it's crazy I had to I had to add that in though just because it was it was the it was the biggest thing to kind of like jump into my face and be like what the fuck around that situation since we've talked last there's so so much what the fuck happening so much happening yeah the supreme court is just wrecking us just every which way truly but first of all because I feel like this has been something that I have heard everywhere every late night talk person is talking about this um every news podcast that i listen to is talking about this because it was a very big deal um but the january 6th hearings are heating up they're heating the fuck up i guess they're gonna be in recess for a little bit i think we have the same next topic probably Probably. i posted a story to our page yesterday about cassidy hutchinson oh yes yes of course okay yeah because i mean like that's been the most explosive thing to happen and i yeah you know I love how coy 
everybody was who's like the people who are running these these hearings like they yeah. were like we've got some stuff coming up they're yeah. like it might be interesting you might want to stay tuned like it was very like a cheeky about the way that they were like hinting about this because this came out of kind of nowhere like they right. planned this kind of like last minute for her to uh well at least testify. for a public Right. Hearing or yes. whatever, because she had met with the committee a few times and given like private testimony. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this third or whatever, how many testimony she did was like public and everybody got to hear what she had to say. Yeah, because they were it like, was this very is inflammatory. They were like, yeah. this is too good. We got to get you in front of a camera. Like, <laughs> because. Get ready for your close up, Miss Hutchinson. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. She, this is pretty uh, amazing to me and not amazing in like a good way. But just in general, I found it fascinating that she started working for President Trump March of 2020. That's got to fucking suck. Uh, or does it? Because you don't have to be in his direct vicinity, probably. <laughs> I, well, she was. Well, here I have my notes. Let me see. So she had previously worked for the House Republican whip reps, which I had never heard of and had to Google. But that is like a little like section of. Something to do in our government. I don't care enough to give you all a big explanation, but I never heard of whip reps before. Um, but she worked for one of them, and the guy's name was Steve Scales, and she's also worked for Ted Cruz. Oh, gag. Yeah. When she graduated from Christopher Newport University, she began working for the Trump administration under Meadows. What's his name? Mark Meadows? Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows yeah. In March of 2020. And she worked very closely with Trump and his administration and with a lot of the people that were really close to him. She worked not only just in close proximity, but with a lot of the people that were like saying very important things and stuff like that. But what I think is so interesting is that she is so young. Like she was like a, like a new college graduate pretty much that went into the White House and started working. That's something that I feel like we should not lose sight of with Cassidy Hutchinson because I feel like people are like bravo so brave which I'm not I'm not saying it isn't brave for her right because that's a scary thing to get up and and do that yeah to be Um, a whistleblower for anything is always very scary however she's she was extremely pro Trumpy oh like her politics fucking suck oh no like Like, she wanted to be in his orbit like she admired trump that's part of why it was such a bummer for her she wanted to work for these people she wanted to work for trump she is very all right like she's i'm not here to say that this she's a good person no i just want to make sure that that doesn't get lost because i feel (laughs) like people are so caught up in you know well she's young and pretty and white too so i mean it's like a big deal you know what i mean like it's like yeah Anybody who voluntarily wants to work for Ted Cruz, and by the way, you chose to go work for um, not only the Republican Party, but also like Trump's administration. administration exactly. Like you're 20, choosing the worst of the worst. In 2020. Yeah. It's not even like you did it early on before things got really out of hand and went off no, the rails. No, you went right in the middle of all the shit. Yeah. So yeah, Liz Cheney has stated, in short, Miss Hutchinson was in a position to know a great deal about the happenings in the White House. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people, I mean, even the people involved in the major story that we're probably going to mention um, are saying like, that didn't happen. But the other, you know, a lot of other Republicans that aren't necessarily Trump Republicans are kind of coming forward and being like, no, she would actually know what's going on in these situations. Well, I mean, and also I think I'm going to believe the person, not that people don't lie under oath, right? um, but there are some pretty steep consequences for her that other people who are speaking out kind of in opposition to her. It would be mighty stupid for her to be lying. 
Well, and I do think it's easier for some of these other people who are coming forward now and saying, "Uh uh-uh, who are saying that to the press, it's easier for them to lie than it would be for her to lie. There aren't as many consequences for them to lie. So I have a tendency to believe Cassidy Hutchinson. I guess some of the people will be testifying under oath, the people in that story. Well, we'll see. But um, before we get into like the big thing that I posted to our story, Uh, Another thing that I hadn't seen reported quite as much was conversations that she had had with Rudy Giuliani prior to the January 6th riot or whatever you want to call it, call it insurrection. So on January 2nd, she had been chatting with Giuliani where he said something to the effect of how we should be excited for the 6th. It will be a great day. She said she didn't know what Giuliani meant by that. But when she asked Meadows about it later, he said, there's a lot going on, but I don't know. Things might get real, real bad on January 6th. Yeah, no, I mean, everything that came out said that everybody knew. Yeah. Everybody knew it was coming up to a week prior and to what happened. And they knew it would be bad they and knew violent. It, they knew it would be bad. They knew it would be violent. They knew that Trump wanted to be there with his protesters. One of the most astounding things that I took away from her testimony was when she was talking about how they were conveying to Trump. They were telling him, you know, we're having to turn away some of your supporters because a lot of them are showing up with weapons. They're showing up um, with spears. They're showing up with guns. They're showing up with actual weapons and we're having to turn them away. And Trump said, let them through. They're not here for me. Mm hmm. Turn off the mags, which is the um, metal detectors, basically. Right. Like, turn them off. Let them come through. They yep. can march to the Capitol from here. Let them so go he, get Pence. They're not here for me. I'm safe. They he love literally me. said, they are not here for me. Yeah. Let them through. Knowing that they were violent, knowing that they were saying things like, hang my vice president. How was he not in jail? Like, I just, I want nothing more than to see him in handcuffs. This is, to me, it's like attempted murder of like a lot of people by him admitting that. Well, it's, it's treason. To my little pea brain. It's treason. It's a, it is a political coup. He was orchestrating a political coup. That's, that's kind of the big thing that came out of her testimony was like, I think he was able to hide behind and did hide behind. And a lot of people on Fox News during and after the insurrection were saying like, I don't know why we're blaming Trump. Trump didn't know that they were going to do this. How could he he wasn't there that that they were going to do this? Right. And he did know. Not only did he know, he knew that they were violent and that they had weapons the day of and what their intentions were the day of prior to him giving that speech to them, mm-hmm. telling them to march on the Capitol. So he did know. Yeah. Like that. So that argument that he maybe didn't know, that's what all this testimony, that's why it's so valuable is because you're able to say like, no, there are witnesses who said he did know before he told his followers to march on the Capitol. He gave them a direct order as, as their president, Yeah, you know, to march on the Capitol. And that's why it is such a big deal. And not only that, he wanted wanted to be with them when they did it. Oh, yeah. I mean, allegedly, he, like, lunged to the front of the car and tried to take over the steering wheel. and his limo driver, yeah. Attacked Bob Engel. It's wild. Like, he sounds like he absolutely lost it when he was told that he couldn't go to the Capitol. Like, little baby throwing a tantrum. Yeah, I mean, and there was also testimony, and I feel like a lot of people are pointing to this, although, to me, this doesn't feel very, like this doesn't feel like brand new news that Trump would do something like this. But I guess 
after the election, whenever he had lost, his mental state was so bad he was, that he was just throwing temper tantrums all the time. Oh, and God. There were people- Can you imagine having to be around that poor Melania? Oh, I mean, mm. she was probably long gone. <laughs> First of all, I, probably, yes. Secondly, I'm like, at some point, I'm like, you're doing this to yourself. Like, oh, no. You know, no, I don't really mean poor Melania, but like also, God, uh, just I can mean, you imagine being around that man for any span of time? Somebody <sighs> testified that he was so upset after the election that he was like throwing plates of food like just throwing like breaking dishes. i've seen tough guys do this in movies but it's the like, most like pathetic childish so- behavior but i feel like that's very in line yeah with who it all he tracks is. so it i'm tracks. like no nah, that's <sighs> well i wanted to mention one other thing because we got a message from a listener I made a pretty broad statement on the last episode, and I was very interested to find that only one person responded and mentioned something about it, but it was actually a very educational response. I enjoyed it, so I wanted to read it all to you and kind of give you some of my thoughts as well. So this is in reference to when I was kind of thinking out loud my thoughts about the story of the Immaculate Conception and how I perceived that Mary would have been raped. And this was very fascinating to me. So this is from a listener who also describes themselves as being a recovering Catholic, as do I. So they said, There is one point I would like to make, however, as a recovering Catholic, and that is about your comment on Mary and her being raped and impregnated against her will by God. The fact is she was not. For respect to accuracy and differing ideologies, I want to point out that Mary was given a choice. Yes, you read that correctly. Mary had a choice, unlike all the women who now live in the States with abortion bans. God allowed her to decide what to do with her body. She chose to accept the pregnancy and give her verbal consent for God's will to be done in her body. So I wanted to read that because I know that not everybody feels the same way about Catholicism and religion as I do. I make those kinds of comments and things like that just because it's how I feel. It's my show. We talk about our feelings, things like that. But I did think it was important to bring that up as well because I have a lot of people in my life that are practicing Catholics and are pro-choice and things like that. So I wanted to make clear that I don't want my comments to be misconstrued in a way where I want to say like all Catholics are bad or everything in it is bad. And I'm not even saying that I'm correct. I am not a like religious scholar in any sort of way. I don't have a Bible in front of me, but it is a way for me to kind of like work through a lot of the things that I've learned as a kid that I'm unlearning and things like that. But I wanted to bring it up just out of respect for anybody else that may have kind of been rubbed the wrong way by that comment and things like that. Just to acknowledge that I hear you, I understand, and I apologize if it offended anybody. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, we were just, that episode was so conversational and really mostly us just working through our sadness and our anger and our frustration. Our feelings were very heightened as well. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you so much to the listener who did write in. Having read the Bible, that somehow went over my head um, as well, or I didn't recall that. Yeah. Um, that the um, the angel Gabriel, or was it Gabriel who came to Mary, must have offered her a choice. Um, yeah. That is not That's something that I remembered. Yeah, I haven't read it in a while. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to say that like I, my memory is totally correct and that's what happened, but just as somebody who kind of is looking back at a lot of those stories and things that I was taught as being like fact or a very positive thing, it's just kind of my way of processing everything and being pissed off about stuff that, you know, 
like hurt me and could potentially still hurt me in the future because of you know you understand this from oh absolutely you, I've got so much you know, religious trauma and which the, we really need to do an episode on religious trauma yeah I was we, thinking we about should this. absolutely do an episode on religious trauma and I think those of us who I think that this affects people in different ways living in a government funded theocracy that is Christian based, Mm -hmm. which is where we are at (laughs) right now. I think it negatively impacts people in different ways. Obviously, it's going to negatively impact people who um, don't believe, never believed, weren't raised in, in Christian homes. Right. I think it also reignites a lot of religious trauma for those of us who were raised in um, Christian homes or Catholic homes. And didn't have a great experience with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? And really fought their way out of those beliefs. You know, I think it can also be very triggering for us to be constantly reminded of this thing that I would have fought for. I believed in completely. Um it's, it's a very interesting place to be because I've had a lot of conversations with people where I'm like, I understand where a lot of these pro-lifers, or anti-choicers are coming from. Well, because we've lived it and experienced right. what, who those people are. I understand it. I actually, because I can put my head, my mind in their headspace, right? right? Because I'm like, there because that's time, what you were taught the same thing as they were. And there was a time when my logic would have pointed me in that direction. Right. right? So I, I do understand it. It's not an excuse in any way. And it should never, ever be put on everybody else. And I think yeah. that that's very scary. And it does. It feels like almost like we're being um, thrown back into this chokehold of religion that we fought so hard to break free from. And that's, that's scary as well, you know? Right. And that's where a lot of like the strong feelings and I'm, I'm definitely not someone who minces my words when I feel strongly about things. It doesn't necessarily mean that I mean offense or that I'm even to be taken a hundred percent seriously. When I say things like that, a lot of it is just based in like a lot of anger and frustration and hurt over seeing other people being yeah, hurt. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know. And I wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who reached out. We got so oh many goodness. wonderful messages over the last couple of days. Um, not just wonderful messages of encouragement to us, but also thank you to everyone who trusted us with your stories. We received um, quite a few personal stories about people, uh, people's personal situations that they have going on in relation to their fears about their reproductive rights, the reproductive rights of their loved ones. Right. Um, So thank you so much for trusting us with those stories. And to everybody who has messaged us to say, I live in such a, in such a state. If anybody needs help in this state, please let me know. Yes. Um, We have gotten a handful of those as well. So I am just really encouraged by that. And the fact that there are so many people actively working to make the world a better, kinder, more empathetic, more compassionate place. It's hard sometimes because I will lose sight of that in in this world that seems so big and scary and mean and cruel so much of the time. There are so many people actively working on helping each other, wanting to help each other. So thank you. I don't know if it's like such a like old school thing to ask now because I don't know if like Facebook groups are even like used like they were even a few years ago but I think that that would be another really wonderful use for that where if you feel like you are you know if you're in a state and you feel like you're willing to be able to help somebody if you want to reach out on the page and say like hey I live in California and I'm willing to help you if you need it or the other way around I'm in Texas and I'm really scared right now you know things like that 
we receive so much support from listeners all the time. And I, I hope that that could be expanded to the community as a whole. So if you do need help or anything, our DMs are so wide open. There's a community of lovely people who want to help as well, which really just warms my heart, especially feeling very isolated and sad recording it and then the next morning listening to it <laughs> and, yeah. and all of that getting the responses that we have has been really really wonderful so thank you um, along with all of that uh, if you want to know where to reach us you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist you can go to our Facebook group page or business page you can chat with the other listeners on the group page as I mentioned or rate and review us on the business page And last but not least, if you haven't done so already, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it so very much. And again, thank you for those of you who've been reviewing lately. We really appreciate it. All right, that's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. Bye! Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.